tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Hello, good afternoon. Welcome to Join News Today. We are coming to you live from our studios in Kokomlimli. We are on DTT because we're free to air. On DSTV channel 421 and Go TV channel 125, this is Join News, your home of independent, fearless, and credible journalism. Coming up this afternoon, Tama Oil Refinery begins investigations to establish the cause of this morning's blaze, which consumed portions of the refinery's pipeline at the Tema Heavy Industrial Area. We'll hear from the PRO after firefighters managed to put out the blaze. Also this afternoon, five persons killed in a mine collapse at the Akon community in Takwa of the Western Region Mall as manager of the facility shuts down the affected site. Plus, police at Kuntunase on a manhunt for a 54-year-old man who allegedly inflicted multiple machete wounds on his 34-year-old girlfriend for fear of ditching him. We have details for you. We have business sports, world news, and showbiz all coming up this hour. We're also live on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and X on join news on tv my personal handle is at denana aisha please stay for details Firefighters have this morning managed to put out a blaze which consumed some pipelines belonging to the Tema Oil Refinery located at the heavy industrial area. The timely intervention of the firemen prevented further havoc to the logistics of the state-owned refinery. Acting PR of the Tema Oil Refinery, Matilda Mpre, said investigations are underway to establish the cause of the fire. She however laid fears the incident will not in any way interrupt oil supply by the refinery. She spoke with Joy News' Carlos Caloni. We investigated to know what actually caused it and what measures can be put in place to um, avert the situation from occurring. What level of damage have you recorded uh, as a result of the fire? As I indicated, there's not been any damage recorded at the moment. Um, so we are waiting for the investigations to be um, to comments and to also complete for us to know if there's been any potential damage to the line. How critical are these lines to the operations of thermal oil refinery? Okay, so this line is the 12 inches, um, 12 inches pipeline that says it's for LPG. So every import that comes to the harbor, this is the line used to discharge it. So though this belongs to Quantum, Tor has um, kind of... Um, access to it as well because that is the line that uses it to pump to the loading to the MOP tanks and then it is discharged at the loading gantry. So we have a common use of the line just that this booster station belongs to Quantum. How is this going to impact operations of uh, TOR? For now it wouldn't because we had almost completed a discharge from the vessel. So the only thing we did was to isolate the line so that the pressure buildup does not continue or increases. We've been able to isolate all of that. And so the situation is under control as we speak now. And as you can see. Yeah, safety concerns. I mean, did you have people on the ground checking to ascertain? Does that mean that negligence on the part of somebody? No, not at all. Because the safety people on site plus the security people on site actually gave the alarm. And so the siren came at the right time for us to respond. So what is the way forward? The way forward will be after the investigations have been concluded. Uh, we are told that you actually uh, 
brought in some uh, uh, fire brigade. From which unit did you? From TOR and then from the Ghana National Fire Service, precisely. So for now, we can say that the situation is under control. It's under control. Okay. Under control. So what would you want to say to the public? I mean, those of us who are concerned that TOR is under fire and we're going to lose, um, we're not going to have fuel to drive our vehicles and all that. Oh, they shouldn't be alarmed at all because the situation has been brought under control. And this is not going to impact on what is supposed to go to the market. Yes, it's just the discharge that has ended. But for the loading gantry at TOR, it's still working and product will go out as usual. Five persons have been confirmed dead in a mine collapse at the Akon community, a mining site in Takwa. Bodies of the deceased have been removed and deposited at the Takwa morgue. The managers of the mine have subsequently shut down the affected site for further safety investigations. My colleague Samuel Kojobris has been following the development for us and has come through with this report. The Akun Community Mining is a major part of the Taco Community Mining Program commissioned by the President in 2021. Data available indicates that 4,887 persons worked directly in the mine. On September 13, there was a major accident. Dan, not his real name, is a miner at the Abasa side of the Akun community mining where the accident happened. We got to work but felt the atmosphere had changed. No one could say anything, so we hanged around for a while. It was then that one of our people came to hint us of the extent of accident that has happened underground. And right in front of us, they brought four boys who had died, and we thought that would be all. But unfortunately, we had more people were involved. He alleges that those who died in the accident are more than have been declared. What collapsed is serious. Someone had sent a gang of 15 who were going to bring their load to the surface. But those people cannot be accounted for after the incident. So none of the people who had gone there to bring their loads and their items survived, meaning there could be more people underground. According to Dan, safety measures are in deficit in that part of the mine. Boss, there, there are no maintenance. At Abasi, you can squat for a long while to get to your face. We all do squats before we get in there because there are no maintenance at the Abasi side. So I'm here on a Tuesday morning to speak to managers of the Takwa Mining Scheme. We meet them giving safety briefings to the miners before the start of the day's activities. The general manager here, Mark, reject Dan's allegations. It is true that where we have restricted workers not to go and mine is where some people went illegally to work. They unfortunately mined the pillar that supports the ceiling, leading to it caving in on them. We got four persons who were injured. They were taken to Redeemer Hospital to be cared for. But unfortunately, five other persons lost their lives. This is the biggest fatality since we started. He says they cannot hide the fact of the accident due to the high interest of the state in the operations. I don't think I can condone such evil. At the underground, it will be difficult to keep decomposed bodies there due to the stench they can emanate. It is even difficult to get oxygen underground, so keeping decomposed bodies won't allow people to work. Yeah, but keep decomposed bodies underground and people can't work. It's only possible. Mark says safety is one thing they don't compromise in the mine. You mobilize your workers and you sensitize one. We mobilize our workers and sensitize them on the need to adhere to the guidelines management give them in terms of safety. So it is unfortunate. But what are the real numbers involved in this accident? I have been speaking with more people who work directly at the mine to get the real fact. One of them is Abdul. There are no other bodies underground because the day it happened, they removed the five bodies and cleaned the entire pit. Mark, the general manager, reveals that to correct the defect at the Abbasi side of the mine, 
they have closed it down for two weeks to ensure a safety audit and correctional measures are put in place. Now we have to let our underground captain and his team go and conduct an inspection of the place to advise us on the steps to be taken before we open the shaft to mining again. In case things have gone wrong there, we need to correct them before we start mining. We will do this to ensure that this kind of accident does not happen again. Some of the workers here who work at the Abasi side of the Akon community mining scheme are not happy the shaft is being closed for two weeks. But the company says it is necessary to avert the recurrence of the accident that has claimed five people in the mine. Police in Takwa say they also saw five dead bodies and four injured persons being brought out of the mine but have begun their investigations to unravel the fact. For Joy News, Samuel Kojobris, Akun, Takwa. And in the Ashanti region, police at Kuntinase are on a manhunt for a 54-year-old man who allegedly inflicted multiple machete wounds on his 34-year-old girlfriend for fear of her ditching him. Kwabinato Force attack left his girlfriend of three years, Lovia Osei, with multiple machete wounds after surviving the attempted murder at Patriensa near Kuntinase in the Ashanti region. Lovia Osei says... She's living in constant anxiety and fear of being attacked by her runaway boyfriend. On him interior of our security desk caught up with the victim at her Pachanza residence following her discharge from the Kuntinasi Government Hospital. The two love bears lived happily together for over three years until September 16, 2023, when Lovia graduated from her dressmaking training. To four a native of Manso Agresum, who lives at Ewukudaku near Accra Newtown, sponsored Lovia through the training. He is said to have overheard some participants at the graduation ceremony, suggesting the lady would ditch him. Lovia says her explanation and assurance of love for Kwabnetu 4 did not yield results. The couple returned to the woman's patronsa hometown last week Wednesday, only for Tufo to attack the victim at about 12 a.m. with a kitchen knife he brought from Accra. She survived the attack, receiving multiple machete wounds on the fingers, stomach, ear, thigh, among other parts of her body. Lovia insists she had no plans to ditch a man who sponsored her to learn dressmaking. He feared I would ditch him after my graduation because his friends had told him so. Those statements took better part of him during the graduation. So the following Tuesday, he went down to sharpen the knife. Unknown to me, that knife was meant for me. It is the same knife he brought to Kumasi to attack me with at about 12 a.m. after we've enjoyed meals together. He he said he will kill me and end his life as well. He cut me multiple times in the hands, ears, stomach, thighs as well as fingers. They have all been sutured. According to Lovia, the attack has left her in constant fear for her life. Program from Kumasi for Joy News, Oim Interior reporting. 
sad story. Some applicants in the limited voter registration exercise in the Pru East constituency of Bono East region are demanding an extension of the exercise, which ends on October 2. Some have spent more than two days in queues due to challenges in network connectivity. They continue to lose productive hours and money to the exercise. Nanabuachi Adam has been speaking to some of them. Sees limited voters registration exercise across the country. We still have numbers of people, new applicants, queuing up for the registration exercise. The numbers continue to grow at various registration centers we have visited in the Ashanti region. We are currently at the Asakwari Mampong municipality, the EC office here, where the limited voter registration exercise is currently ongoing. And as you can see, the numbers are still high. People are still coming in to participate in the limited voter registration exercise. I have with me currently the EC officer here and I'll be engaging them. Madam, welcome to Joy News. Uh, so far, how has the process been? When we came here, we've seen the numbers continue, continue to grow day in and day out. Yeah, it's true. The numbers keep on increasing, but we are able to register them. Those that you see there by close of day, we have been able to register them. Although the number is increasing every day, but we do register them anytime they come. What could be the cause of the high increase of the numbers we have here? I can't really tell, tell but I think I can't really tell why the number keep on keep increasing because we've done a lot of registration, so I don't know why the number still keeps on increasing. Is it, are they feeling reluctant to participate in the exercise or you have any other challenge restricting you from registering some people? No, we don't have any challenge registering them. And I don't think they feel reluctant coming for the registration because, as you can see, day in and day out, they come and we register them. Uh, on a daily basis, we register not less than 150 a day, at most over 200. So we are doing the registration. I don't know why they keep on coming, but I think by close of the registration exercise, we have been able to register most of them. Okay, so you register almost 150 in a day. How many people are you expecting? In a day. More than 150 in a day? Yeah, we do closely uh, an average of 190, 200, between 200 to 250 daily. But, but what's the number you're expecting to register at the end of the entire exercise? Oh, I don't have any number that I'm expecting. I don't have any number that I'm expecting. But what of so far, how many people have you been able to register? So far, as yesterday, I've been able to register 3,194. As at yesterday, 3,194. But then we still see people trooping in to participate in the exercise. Is that not a worry to you? Because the, the, the days to the end of the registration exercise, is near 2nd October is just here. Oh, I believe those here, we can register them. As I told you, on a daily basis, we can do over 200. And those here, we've started, we started at 8 o'clock. So I think by, close of, by the end of 5 p.m., we'd have registered mo most of them, if not all. So you said, as at yesterday, you've registered how many people? 3,194. 3,194. Thank you very much. What's your name, please? Angela Friose. Okay. So, as of yesterday, they've been able to register 3,184 new applicants. Um, that is with regards to the limited voters registration exercise going on um, across the country, particularly here in the Asokari Mampo municipality. But let's talk to some applicants who have been here for quite some there definitely will bring you more in our subsequent bulletins. But Ghana's ambition to eradicate poverty under the Sustainable Development Goals may not be fully achieved as many beneficiaries of the social protection program do little to demand better livelihood support from the government. The civil society platform for social protection Ghana is re-echoing the need for Ghanaians to appreciate the entitlement to programs under the government's social protection policy. They believe the approach of seeing the policy as a right and not a charity will facilitate poverty eradication in the country by 2030. Under the National Social Protection Policy, the government of Ghana constituted a framework in response to vulnerability and poverty. 
five programs, including the Ghana School Feeding Program and the Livelihood Empowerment Against Poverty LEAP, are to guarantee relief for a section of the Ghanaian population. Civil society organizations are citing the lack of insight into concepts underpinning the policy as a major reason for the ineffectual rollout of the programs. Christiana Bredema, a social policy specialist with the United Nations International Children's Emergency Fund. One of the things that can help us is to also empower the demand side of social protection because with the supply side, government is doing its best, but the people who are receiving the benefits must also understand that they are entitled to this benefit because that changes the narrative. If you know that you have a right to something, you are entitled to it. The way you approach it is different from when you feel that it's a charity, it's a gift, you're not entitled, it's a favor that somebody is doing to you. And if you think it's a right, you approach it in a different way. It changes how you even provide feedback on the program and how you see things. So with the Rise campaign, we want to empower our citizens. Ghanaians, people who receive social protection programs, that these programs are there for them and the government has a duty to respect, to promote, to protect and fulfill this right. Available data suggests that over 2 million Ghanaians live in abject poverty as of 2022. Under Ghana's $3 billion IMF bailout, the government has committed to expanding the LEAP coverage to all 2.5 million extremely poor individuals by 2024, as estimated by the Ghana 11 Standard Survey. Stakeholders believe the target could only be achieved if the government prioritizes social protection as a right of the people. We've also gone into the IMF program and um, for three years, a lot of commitments have been made by the government. It's also very important that after the three years, what happens? So the government has made commitments for the social sector, especially the leap cash transfer and other programs, to make sure that they protect funding for those programs. But after the three years, what do we want to see? We want to see this continuous commitment for the sector. And how will government continue to see this as a, a priority? Is if they see this as a right for Ghanaians, they realize that it's a right they must fulfill they must promote, they must protect at all times, with or without the IMF program. So that is why this is important, and the atmosphere is very conducive for this campaign. In Ghana, street begging is an unmistakable sight to behold, despite being an unlawful practice. The CSOs are partly attributing the seemingly unending begging habits to reduce implementation of livelihood projects to support genuinely poverty-stricken individuals. Oberon Jalil Odum is with Inclusion Ghana. I think that uh, one, they don't know that this is a right and so they cannot claim it. Obviously, if you know that um, there is an intervention by government, it means that you can actually submit yourself to be assessed so that you can benefit from it. But many people don't know this. And so I think that critically, what government should do a lot more is to make sure that uh, they are communicating the programs to the general citizens. People want to know. People must know. And people should know. For Joy News, my name is Emmanuel Brightquicku. The Upper West Regional Director of Environmental Health, Nata Frida, has bemoaned the frequent interference of chiefs and political figures in the work of environmental inspectors, resulting in the discontinuation of prosecution of sanitation offenders. She says the practice discourages the personnel on the field. Nata Frida was speaking at a two-day training workshop for environmental health sanitation prosecutors. Joining us is Upper West Regional Correspondent Rafiq Salam reports. One of the biggest challenges faced by the Environmental Health and Sanitation Department across the country is their inability to have the courage to prosecute sanitation offenders. Though a greater number of metropolitan municipal and district assemblies in the country have instituted by laws to nip their practice in the bud. They are unable to do so because they don't have enough prosecutors at the environmental department to execute the tax. In some of the assemblies where they have prosecutors, the bylaws cannot be enforced because they are not gazetted. Speaking at a two-day workshop, for environmental health prosecutors in the five regions in the northern Gulf of the country, our Power Regional Director of Environmental Health Department, Natu Frida, 
bemoan the frequent interference in the work of the staff by politicians and chiefs, who she said discourage the staff from further pursuing the cases. Our own people are not helping us, particularly the politicians and chiefs. Um, most of our officers are discouraged because they go out, they bring a list of sanitation offenders. When they get to the table of the politicians, before you realize about half of the names are crossed out. And so what we do is we sit back and wait. So whom am I sending to court? If I am not sending A, why will I be sending B? And for all you know, for those names that are striped out, those are the names, or those are the offenders who have even committed grievous crimes. And so it leaves our officers frustrated and angry sometimes. Natu Frida, however, disclosed that in the coming weeks, some sanitary offenders in the one municipality will be held before the courts. I'm also happy to announce to this house that with or without gazetted bylaws, very soon, probably next week, one municipal is prosecuting some other offenders. We've had the list ready, it's been ready, of course, we have sent it for the political vetting. Fortunately, no name was removed. And so we are putting it forward before the courts, and very soon, um, probably next week, an official of the Environmental Health Directorate of the Ministry of Sanitation and Water Resources, Kwekwekwansa, though agreed on the ritual interference of politicians and chiefs on the work of the sanitary inspectors, he saw of the view that building the capacities of the staff will make them to overcome it. The real challenge we have in this sector is to build the capacity of the people. When people are confident, when people know what to do, when people who are going to do prosecution knows the law very well, then the issue of uh, interferences, well, they will find a way of uh, going around it. Amid loud honking and exhaust fumes that characterize urban traffic, a green solution is silently emerging. Electric motorcycles, agile and eco-friendly, are zipping through the gridlock, offering a sustainable alternative to traditional gas-powered bikes. At the forefront of this electronic revolution is Koffer Technologies' innovative swap-and-go program. Michael Ashali has more in our latest story on air quality. It is a regular day on the streets of Accra and as usual, cars lock up in traffic and motorcycles meander the confusing maze. There is a motorbike everywhere you look. Some of the riders are in the delivery business while others use the bikes for their commute. Many of them are fossil fuel consuming monsters that emit cocktails of pollutants. Electric motorcycles are silently carving a path through the chaos, offering a clean and efficient alternative to their gas-guzzling counterparts. It is now generally accepted that the future is electric. For many people that use combustion engines, especially drivers, their concern is how to go about it, more especially on the availability of charging stations and batteries. Polluting sources of energy to cleaner sources of energy. So we are focused on how do we help Africans make that transition, starting here from Ghana. Aida Mano is the vice president in charge of marketing at Kofa Technologies. We decided that with our swap and go technology, we were able to build a solution that is more end-to-end -to, -end to replacing the energy sources of um, energy sources that motorcycles use. So with swap and go technology, we can empower people to use electric motorcycles and have them. It's a it's an, a form that is analogous to petrol stations. Coffee swap and go initiative is a game changer for electric motorcycle enthusiasts. Here. 
Riders can exchange their depleted batteries for fully charged ones in a matter of minutes, all while reducing harmful emissions. Looking at how can we move society from a carbon polluting society to something to a society that is still powered, is still productive, but using cleaner, greener forms of energy that are not polluting the environment, causing adverse health effects on uh, members of the society. Some bikers like Prisla Afeli have seen great improvement since she switched to an EV bike. I was surprised when I saw the electric bike first. I was like, ah, what is this? Is this some toy? But when I sat on it and then I rode it for some, I was like, Jesus Christ, this is so cool. If they ask me with a power bike and then uh, with this, I would first class take this because there's no noise. No pollution of air, and like it's just smooth on the way, it's just cool to go. Ghana hopes to achieve net zero emissions by 2025. Studies show that on average, a motorbike produces 119.6 grams of carbon dioxide per kilometer, assuming there's a single rider. Having two or more riders will make the bike heavier, which would make the engine work harder and produce more carbon dioxide. Electric bikes will be a real game changer. Muftao Omar works as a data analyst and has been monitoring data on CO2 emissions at Coffee's laboratory. For non-EV bikes, they are at the moment doing about um, 23 kilometers per liter, which in turn would put them around, say, 2.3 or 2.2 kilograms of CO2 for um, for every liter of pressure that they use. We, we have monitoring dashboards to track all these things. I think in last month we are doing our 170 CO2 saved, kilograms CO2 saved every month or on the average but um, now I think this month is around 200 kilograms of CO2 saved per rider on a daily basis. We are able to even track on our phones. We've built dashboards to enable us to track all these metrics. The end game for us is to really have more bikes in the system and to offset as much CO2 as possible. EV motorbikes make up a small fraction of all bikes roaming free on the streets of Accra. However, they are paving the way for a cleaner, quieter and more accessible urban future. The future of urban transportation is electric and not just a dream. Is the silent revolution of electric motorcycles changing the way we move through our cities one ride at a time? This story was a collaboration with New Narratives and funding was provided by the Clean Air Fund. For Joy News, Michael Ashale. Hello, Christmas press for the National Science and Maths Quiz. Dr. Elsie Fakoffman has advised young girls in Ghana to venture into science and technology to break the dominance of men in those fields. She was speaking at an event to mark the partnership between Girls Empowerment Group, Sky Girls, and the Ghana Education Service to expand guidance and counseling services to girls in the country's second cycle schools. More in the following report. Sky Girls is a group of teenage girls with a vision to help empower fellow young women in Ghana with skills and ideas for richer career selection. Some teenage girls share their experiences and the benefits of Sky Girls advocacy. How I started my beadwork, I started when I was 13 in my previous school. With the beadwork, it wasn't public, but Sky made it public for me through the magazines and their social media platforms and I got other job offers through Skype because people saw my artwork and then and I would want to recommend stuff from me for me to be able to sell to other people who'd want it. I got to join Sky Girls when I was going to SHS, yes, through my sister. So when I joined Sky Girls, I didn't really know what shisha was because I see people smoke shisha and all they tell me is shisha is just a flavor. So when I got into Sky Girls, one day we were having a group chat, then our Sky Big Sister posted in the group that, oh, um, shisha contains this and this and this. It harms the system. It causes damage. It's like the weed and the cigarettes we smoke. So that's when I got to know that, mm, 
Shisha wasn't good. Yeah, Boatima is project manager of Sky Girls. Sky is a community of teen girls just like you watching me. It's a very great platform for you to develop your skills as a girl, build refusal skills, be more empowered, and learn more about issues that matter to you. This is a platform where you as a girl have your voice heard, not only by, by fellow girls, but by society as a whole. So Sky is welcoming. Everybody is a Sky Girl. So far as you're able to stay true to yourself, say yes to the things you like and no to the things you know. National Science and Mass Quiz Mistress Dr. Elsie Afa Kaufman received an award for showing leadership in the field of science, a feat that encourages many girls in Ghana to reach for the top. Sky Girls also announced its partnership with the Ghana Education Service and some secondary schools to expand support services to girls in Ghana's second cycle institutions. And that's how we take a break and bring you business shortly. Hello, my name is Abeiku Agri Santana. If there's anything that makes my life so easy, it is my bank. I love hanging out with my boys' boys at our usual fufu joint. But even without cash, we still the job better with EcoBank Mobile. No matter the time of day, my bank helps me stay in touch with my beautiful wife whenever she's away. And when my beautiful wife is in town, she never misses out on her favorite TV shows because I'm able to pay up all my TV subscriptions from the comfort of my mobile phone. Whenever she has to get groceries too, my bank makes it cashless and convenient. And the part my wife loves the most is when my bank makes it possible and easy for her to shop from any part of the world without moving. <laughs> Welcome to the smart world of Ecobank. Download Ecobank Mobile from Google Play Store or the App Store and discover the smart way to bank. Ecobank, the Pan-African bank. Daddy, Daddy, <sighs> this tank is big. Yes, that's true. It can store a lot of water. That's so true. Wow, it has a working surface on it. Mm-hmm. That's so true. I can see S I N T E S syntax. That is so true, my daughter. When it falls down, it will spoil. That's not true. But why? Why? <laughs> Syntex was the first to introduce double layer tanks in Ghana. Syntex again was the first to introduce white inner layers in Ghana. Syntex gives you the biggest warranty seven years. No matter your water needs, Syntex is the answer. Syntex tank. Are you strong? Are you tough? Good afternoon, warm welcome to the business segment on Joy News today with me, Pius Kujubaka. The Center for Regional Integration in Africa has made a strong case for a strategic capacity building for small and medium scale enterprises to support intra African trade activities on the continent. According to the executive director of the Center, Professor Tilo, Africa must be deliberate in supporting the SME space through proper regulatory frameworks. She was speaking at an SME conference. 
Intra-African trade activities is woefully 17% compared to other regions globally. This is according to the Center for Regional Integration in Africa. According to the organization, this is a challenge facing African economic integration and development. Professor Lu said inclusivity of SMEs is key to address these issues. These are stumbling blocks that already uh, prohibit somebody to access to the resources required to, to trade as they would want and wish to. So what we're here for really uh, through the Regional Integration Issues Forum is, um, and, and by the way, I think some of you know what the RIF is meant to do. It's simply a platform, a mechanism that brings us all together uh, to really learn more about regional integration, to learn more about continental uh, trade. Uh, and, and this year, uh, we have uh, convened ourselves uh, with partners. Uh, you can't convene the RIF without partnerships. So it's not CREA alone. CREA established the RIF in partnership with the African Capacity Building Foundation in 2017. Meanwhile, Chief of Staff at the African Continental Free Trade Area, Silva Ojako, said the Secretariat is pushing hard in ensuring robust trading activities among member states. We've placed a strong emphasis on trade as an engine for economic development is the one of the four pillars of our strategy that we are going to be working on over the next five years. We are going to be providing targeted capacity building support to governments, policymakers, institutions, as well as other key stakeholders involved in implementing the AFCFTA. Capacity building is essential for enabling African countries to effectively design, implement, uh, as well as monitor policies that promote regional integration and facilitate trade. As ACBF, we are seeking to enhance the capacities of our policymakers, our government institutions, to be able to develop and implement sound trade policies because we believe this is one of the challenges that we face. The conference brought together about 150 participants across the continent and it was in collaboration with the Ghana Institute of Management and Public Administration. The event was under the theme Breaking Business Barriers for AFCFT Acceleration. The Ghana Chamber of Telecommunications is warning the public against giving their Ghana cards to people to use in the registration of their subscriber identity model. Now, the CEO of the Chamber, Dr. Ken Ashikbe, says the mobile money transfers or fraudsters have devised new strategies to dupe the unsuspecting public by using the Ghana card to, of others to register SIM cards. Speaking at a stakeholder forum in Cape Coast, Dr. Ashikbe indicated that mobile money fraud cases are on the rise, but they are developing ways to deal with them. There's more in this report. The chief executive officer of the Chamber of Telecommunications, Dr. Ken Ashibe, says the Momo Frosters have resorted to using the Ghana cards of innocent victims to register new cards, which they then use in the operations. According to him, people must guard their Ghana cards zealously to reduce the incident of Momo fraud. So what are we doing? What we've done is that now the IGP has called a meeting together of all the telcos, all the banks, and then he's working on a plan, a concerted plan. Because already, as tel uh, the Chamber of Telecommunication, we have a platform called the uh, FCD, where if anybody defrauds you, anybody steals your device, and you report it, the telco in particular would investigate if they find it to be true. They would block the person. We are now liaising with the, uh, the cyber crime unit. We report to the person. The person will deal with the person. We don't only do that. After blocking the person, they put it on the FCD platform. And then you are blocked. So they'll block your SIM. They'll block your device as well. And now with the partnership with the, with the IGP, those people, and because now we have the Ghana card, we now will be able to arrest. But the unfortunate thing that we need to advise all the people are now what the fraudsters are doing is that because they know they need to get a Ghana card, they see people who are walking around, then they come to you and then they come and give you some 10 CDs. They use people's IDs to go and register these things and then they use them to do the fraud. So please, we beg you, don't allow yourself, don't allow anybody to use your Ghana card to register 
any SIM card. When you do that, you are putting yourself at risk. Dr. Ashibwe also spoke about how the increasing incidence of fiber cuts have become a huge challenge to the telecoms company and the subscribers. There's a similar, uh, a particular situation where there's a, a company in Takradi making tiles called Keda. They've destroyed about 10 kilometers of fiber belonging to MTN, AT and Vodafone. The total cost of reinstating those 10 kilometers is more than 6 million CDs. And the cost that all of them bore in even repairing to make sure that customers can get use of it, it's over 700,000 CDs. And you see, so these things keep happening. You have those who are doing roads, those who are doing drains, destroying it. And then what then happens is that it's the customer that bears the brunt because once that is done, you will not be able to make a call. You will not be able to do anything else. Elmina District Police Commander Chief Superintendent Ibrahim Bansan narrated how his outfit has been dealing with the increasing cases of Momo fraud. Some of the cases reported real like I am a Momo agent at Elmina. The suspect I brought to the police station came to do Momo transaction at my place. He handed over to me a phone claiming to be a brother who wants to speak to me on phone. And during their conversation, the person on the phone may instruct the agent to enter a preferred code for further directives. And when that is done, the monies are transferred into their account and later cash out immediately. In all, the bail cases reported were duly investigated. Those with evidence were prosecuted. Other cases cited among the parties while there are still on investigations. Let me take this opportunity to advise all the Momo agents and the gathering here to be critically conscious in dealing with Momo transactions to help reduce Momo fraud Quality Assurance Manager of Helios Towers, Michael Ejakon, indicated how construction companies damage the cables of the telecom companies and this, he says, affect the services of the telecom companies. And that's it for business. I am Pius Kojobaka. Marketplaces at 1 p.m. essential vitamins that growing bodies need. So grow healthy and strong. Smart. Absolutely. Kidivite Multivitamin Tonic contains all the essential vitamins and nutrients needed for the healthy development of children from age 1 to 12 years. Also available, Kidivite Multivitamin Drops for babies under 12 months. Grow strong, grow healthy with KittyBite. Distributed by NS Chemist Limited. This advertisement has been vetted and approved by the FDA. Yes! The Presbyterian Boys Secondary School Presec hits the Big 8-5. As part of the 85th anniversary celebrations, Presbyterian Boys Secondary School and the Odadia Global Association presents the Presec at 85 Grand Derba on the theme Building Upon a Legacy of Excellence. Come experience the biggest gathering of students, staff, and Odadias. Date, Saturday 30th, September 2023. Venue, the Presec School Grounds at 10 a.m. sharp. The chairman for the occasion, the Right Honorable Professor Odadjeb Mike Okwe, the former Speaker of Parliament, and our special guest of honor, His Excellency Nana Adodankwe Kufuado, President of the Republic of Ghana. The dress code. Come in your Presec at 85th Anniversary Cloth. Since 1938, we've been consistent in building upon a legacy of excellence for Mother Ghana, Africa, and the world.
Time now for sports and former Ghana Football Association presidential aspirant Neil Armstrong has advised George Efriye to discontinue his quest to contest for the presidency in the upcoming elections. George, who has been disqualified by the Elections Committee from vying from the position following his failure to provide the required number of signatures to support his candidacy, has gone to the Court of Arbitration for Sports to seek redress. Neil, who also found himself in a similar situation over a decade ago, wants George to abandon his desire to head the FA as his chances of winning are slim. It's part of the process of uh, deepening uh, the, 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 the oppression of democracy in our football space. Um, he himself is on record to have said that he respects the rules, he respects the laws, and where it is that he feels that there, is, there are grounds and good grounds for him to pursue justice through the channels of the FA and go all the way to the court for arbitration for sport, he would go there. So that's what I make of it. I mean, I went through it. In our time, you didn't go to the appeals committee. When we stood in, or when I stood in 2011, you'd go to, there was an arbitral panel, you go to arbitration, and whatever the arbitration panel decides, if you're still dissatisfied, you will continue on to the court for arbitration for sport, which is uh, like our court for last resort when it comes to football. Uh, I decided after going through the arbitration and still failing to make it through the domination that I, I, I just rested at that point. Um, I felt that going further wouldn't serve any, any useful purpose. You know why? If my intent at the time, based upon the energy I spoke about earlier on from friends in football, was to become FA president, to lead our football in a direction that I believe would enhance or augment whatever it was that Mr. Nyantichi had achieved. And mind you, he had achieved, we were all part of it. He had achieved major and mega, and he was still growing. I decided that rather than pursue a, continue to pursue a legal process, let me rest my, my, my case. Also based on the fact, like I said earlier on, that after going through the nomination process, that, made, that was so difficult. You know why I got some of my, just, I just remembered, some of the people who nominated me were Ghana coaches, the coaches association, mm. schools and colleges, security services. But they don't make up the larger bulk of the Congress. They didn't make up the larger bulk at the time. They still don't make up the bulk. That is it for sports. Up next is World News. It's time to check out what's making headlines elsewhere. At least 50 people have been killed and more than 50 injured in a suicide attack in Pakistan. Police say the blast happened near a mosque in the southwestern province of Balochistan on Friday as people gathered to celebrate the birth of Prophet Muhammad. Officials in Balochistan have declared a state of emergency. No group has claimed responsibility for their attack. Meanwhile, a separate blast has taken place at the the mosque near Peshawar city. The number of casualties at the mosque in Hangu near Peshawar is not yet known, but police say a number of people could be trapped under the rubble after the rough collapsed. That is it for World News. Up next is Showbiz.
Getting into showbiz, well, the Ghanaian creative art has been failed five different times by the current government, all in the quest of building them a studio. Now, we've chronicled all the five different times. Now, the first of it was on the 27th of July in 2017, where the now Deputy Minister for Creative for Tourism, Art and uh, Tourism, Art and Culture actually promised the Ghanaians that Ghanaian industry that there's going to be an ultra modern studio being built for the creative arts and that is going to help the creative art industry to actually get masters done as in every musician when you are done with your music you get it to be mastered the second one was on 20, was in 2020 the NPP manifesto well the government promised to establish large recording studio in Accra Kumasi Takrade and Tamale. And then the third happened to be on the uh, 25th day of February 2021. Well, the Minister of Tourism, Art and Culture, Awal Mohammed, mentioned the government had allocated 20 million US dollars for the construction of a film and music studio. He said this when he met the uh, appointment committee of parliament in his vetting. And then the fourth happened to be on June 2020. The National Film Authority also announced that it had signed a landmark uh, partnership agreement with Pixel Ray Studios LLC, which will lead to the construction of a full-service world-class film studio in the West Africa. And then the fifth was on was also in June 2020, the Deputy Minister for Tourism, Art and Culture, Marco Quigumante, said that the ministry was in talks with American film company Tarapari Studios to provide studio for musicians and all have failed. Well, this is all time is going to allow us here on Showbiz. And Aisha, back to you to wrap up. <laughs> Thanks so much for watching. My name is Aisha Brian. Log on to myjohnline.com. There's more of the news and updates of all the developing stories. Do enjoy your weekend.